This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Friday, July the 15th. Hope you're okay. And we're starting off with the weather today because an incredibly rare red warning for extreme heat has been issued for parts of Kent. Forecasters say temperatures in the north of the county could reach the mid-30s early next week. That's 96 degrees in old money. The elderly and those with underlying health conditions are being urged to take particular care and we're all being told to keep hydrated and stay out of the sun during the hottest part of the day. With a bit more, here's Sky's Matthew Thompson. It means that there's very likely to be a danger to life. There's also potentially disruption to train travel. It means more likelihood of water-related incidents. So a warning there of potential water-related incidents. And there is a real concern that people will head to rivers and the sea in a bid to cool off. In fact, 85% of us are expected to head to a beach between now and the end of September. Well, across Kent, RNLI teams are in place to keep us safe. And Jamie has been speaking to Guy Addington, who's the regional water safety lead. We anticipate huge numbers of visitors to the coast and that's great we want to encourage people to come and visit uh, the fantastic coastal environment that we have here in the UK but we want to make sure that people do it as safely as possible so if you're planning to head to the coast please find yourself a lifeguarded beach and when it's a lifeguarded beach make sure you take the advice from the lifeguards and in particular remember to swim between the red and yellow flags that's the area that's been deemed most suitable for bathing and the area that lifeguards will focus their attention on. So visit a lifeguarded beach and swim between the red and yellow flags. And what are some of the dangers of the coast? I think a lot of people, you know, when you're having a good time, you can forget some of the potential dangers and just how dangerous the water can be. Absolutely. So all of our open water environments in the UK are amazing environments, but it's important that people remember They are ever-changing environments. It's not like a swimming pool that has little water movement or little hazard or risk. So it's important that people understand some of those risks and hazards associated with the outdoor, open water and particularly coastal environments. And some of those hazards could be uh, to do with water movement. So here in the UK, we have very tidal waters. And it's important that people take the time to understand what the different tidal conditions might do to your plan when visiting the coast. Don't get caught out and cut off by the tide as an example. And understand that if you're going into water, that water will move. There's tidal movement. There's uh, things like rip currents that can be set up. And in particular, there's always um, a small amount of wave activity. So that can catch people unaware. So if you're unused to the open water environment, take the time to understand some of the risks and hazards and what things like tide and weather could do to your plan at the coast. And what can people do if they find themselves in a spot of trouble uh, on the beach? If you find yourself in difficulty, particularly in cold water and particularly unexpectedly, then remember our floats to live message. And that is to try to fight that instinct of panic and thrash around and swim hard and instead try to relax, float on the back and protect the airway, just a bit of gentle paddling with the arms and legs and wait for that cold shock and panic response to pass before planning your next move, which might be to shout for help, it might be to try to swim for safety. And if you see somebody in difficulty at the coast or you get into difficulty yourself, remember to call 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. 
I guess finally for me, you, you made a good point there about uh, the cold water as well. Uh, I think a lot of people forget just how much colder the water can be compared to the temperature outside. Absolutely right. The air temperature at the moment is amazing. Um, it's really warm, it's really enjoyable, and it's really tempting to enter the water, any body of water, so a, a lake, a reservoir, a river, or indeed the sea, just to cool off. But we urge people to respect the water and, and, and understand that it can still be really cold even at this time of year. The water temperature in the UK gets to really a maximum of around 19, and at the moment it's probably only 15, 16 or 17 if we're lucky. And that's still cold enough to take one's breath away and cold enough to pre present some of the physiological difficulties associated with cold water shock. So acclimatise slowly and expect the water to be cold, be used to it. Drivers are also being urged to plan ahead for potential disruption on Kent's roads during the heatwave this weekend. The Operation Brock Contraflow is in force with the speed limit on the M20 as to try and reduce delays for people heading towards the Port of Dover or Eurotunnel. Highways bosses also reminding us to take plenty of water and other supplies just in case we do get stuck in traffic. But if you're heading to a coastal spot in Kent, I think it's fair to say traders will welcome you with open arms. After a difficult time during Covid, they're hoping for a bumper season to recoup some of the losses they endured. Scott Turner is from Kane's Amusements, which owns Scoops Ice Cream Parlours in Herne Bay and Tankerton. He's been speaking to Ish. We should think it's going to be very busy. Obviously, you've got the the kids' um, holidays coming up, the school holidays coming up as well. So everyone's getting ready. Um, Herne Bay is a lovely seafront, nice place. Um, and it's going to be packed, we would think. Um, so we're ready to serve ice cream to every, everyone who'd like some. Is there uh, anything you do in particular when you're preparing for, obviously, a, a spell of hot weather like this with the anticipation of so many customers? Uh, I think it's more, for, for us, um, it's about getting ready for the summer season, which obviously starts next Friday. So um, we need to get all the right staffing, which we've done now. We've got a great team all ready to serve through the summer. Our open hours are all extended. So when somebody wants ice cream, they should be able to get it. And it's just making sure we've got the stock and the flavours. And I think we're, you know, we're ready to go well on course for um, a great summer. And um, how, how are your staff feeling? I mean, how, how excited are they for, um, you know, that, that boost in, in trading and all those happy customers ready for ice cream? I think they're, they're, they're ready for it. It's, it's, what we, it's what we do, it's what we're about, and it's why they, they come on board for the, you know, the, the love of ice cream. When somebody comes in an ice cream shop, they're never there to have a bad time, are they? There, it's just happy people coming in, and you've got all your flavours. We've got 20 flavours of dairy, We've got lots of vegan flavours and sorbets and, you know, we like to try and cater for, for everyone, really. So it's just nice seeing happy faces come in and happy customers mean happy staff as well. Over the weekend, we'll continue to have weather stories on Kent Online for you. You can also find tips there on how to stay cool and, importantly, how to spot the signs of heat stroke in dogs. Plus, if you are heading out, we have our travel blog on the website and you can hear regular travel updates on our sister radio station, KMFM. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today in a man who can carried out a violent knife attack on a sleeping man in Ramsgate has been jailed. The victim's been left with an eight-inch scar on his face after being assaulted at a property in the Newington area last October. 45-year-old Stephen Parfit, who used to live on Ringgold Avenue, has been locked up for seven years. Two burglars from Maidstone have been jailed for nearly six years for their part in raiding a charity, school and park. 
police pulled over a transit van in Heath Road in March and found 27 power tools and a generator. They later discovered they'd been stolen from a conservation group based in Ruskin Park. Well, the 32-year-olds had previously stolen mountain bikes and broken into Rootham Secondary School. Another man received a suspended sentence. Southern Water's been given a one-star pollution rating amid calls for company bosses to face jail time for serious sewage leaks. The Environment Agency says 62 incidents were recorded last year, including several on the Kent coast. Here comes as Southern Waters facing criticism for its response to burst pipes, which left Sheppey without a supply this week. We'll have more on that for you shortly. Now, the five remaining people in the Conservative leadership contest, including Kent's Tom Tugendhat, will face questions from the public later. He only just scraped through yesterday's vote, which saw Swella Braverman eliminated. Rishi Sunak's currently in the lead after two ballots, while Penny Mordant's getting lots of attention in second place. The first TV debate happens tonight and the Tunbridge and Morling rep, despite losing five votes yesterday, has come out fighting. The way in which we're going to make this work is by changing the way government works and being a clean start. And as the only candidate who hasn't been in this government, I am the clean start. Well, let's get some analysis now from our political editor, Paul Francis. Now, there has been some pressure on Tom Tugendhat, the Tunbridge and Morling MP, to stand aside as he secured the backing of just 32 MPs, but he has rubbished that idea, says he's never ducked a challenge in his life and is looking forward to the hustings. And I think he probably, amongst the five candidates, has less to lose in terms of these uh, events than perhaps the favourites. The key thing about hustings is that while they don't necessarily directly correlate with MPs and the way they intend to vote, they are going to be followed by opinion polls uh, and they perhaps may influence MPs in deciding who to back as the final two to go out to the membership of the Conservative Party over the next month or so. We've also been speaking to some of those in Tom's camp. Among them is Jo Gideon. She's the MP for Stoke-on-Trent Central and has been chatting to our colleagues at KMTV. I'm supporting Tom because he's a man of great integrity and he offers a clean start um, for our country um, and our government. Tom is the only one left in the race who is a one-nation Conservative and for me that's a really important uh, feature of of, um, of our politics, that we are a party that represents the whole of the union, uh, that we believe in fairness, that we believe in um, the levelling up agenda for all parts of the, of the country. And Tom very much understands and represents that view. Now, obviously, he's um, he lost some support today. Um, he lost five um, five volts. Um, do you think he can he can pull he can pull that back? Definitely. Tom's really looking forward to being able to um, express his passion to the country because obviously um, he's had hustings with colleagues and it's gone down really well. Um, But as you'll know, um, elections are all about tactics. And I think that there's been a level of tactical voting. We're just delighted that that he's gone through um, and now he's really keen to to, to show you know the country what he can do. Jake Berry is the MP for Rossendale and Darwin in Lancashire and is also supporting Tom's campaign. Well, look, he is the man who can defy expectations. I think lots of people thought he'd go out there. Let's look at who he's already beaten, two former health secretaries, an attorney general, the chancellor of the Exchequer, the transport secretary, 
all of these people with cabinet experience and why it's important that Tom keeps going is for us as a party to have a proper debate about who becomes our next Prime Minister. We need a representative from the, the One Nation side of the party, someone who's unashamedly uh, you know, uh, a One Nation Conservative. And that's why I think it's really important. And don't forget, every ballot people start at zero once again. And he has the opportunity over the coming days to turn this contest on its head. And I know Tom very well and I suspect that might be what you're going to see. Well MPs will get to vote again for who they want to be party leader and Prime Minister on Monday. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. We've been told most people on Sheppey have now got their water back after a major incident was declared earlier in the week. Taps ran dry for many homes and businesses for three days following two burst pipes. Southern Water have apologised and are opening bottled water collection points again today as a precaution. It's thought they'll have to pay a total of £2 million in compensation to customers. Police have given us CCTV images of three men they're looking for after racist attacks in Folkestone. A family were reportedly hit with stones near a beach on the Sandgate Esplanade, while a man and his dog were targeted on the Lees. You can see pictures of those suspects at Kent Online. It's thought lorries could be forced to weave their way through country lanes every day for two years as a huge solar farm is built near Faversham. Building work is due to begin this summer or autumn, with 890 acres of countryside in Graveney being transformed. Some residents have hit out at the plans to reroute traffic. However, the management plan argues the existing road network is suitable for the increase in traffic. Now, a Kent MP has criticised unions for a rail strike which could impact the women's Euros. RMT members are walking out later this month on the same day as one of the semi-finals. Here are the thoughts of Chatham and Aylesford's Tracy Crouch, who used to be the sports minister. I just think it's really sad that you know the strike will happen on a day where you know, thousands of little girls might be going to their first ever football match. Um, I have no issue with the strikes. You know, the strikes are what they are. People have a right to strike in this country. They've balloted their members. They've decided to do that. I have no problem with them striking. I have, the problem I have is with the date. Um, it is disruptive. I genuinely don't believe it would have happened during a men's football match, uh, and I think. That was what my issue was. More industrial action has also been announced today for the 18th and 20th of August in an ongoing row over pay, jobs and conditions. Kent Online reports. Now, this is one of our most read stories today and we'd like to know what you think about it. An investigation's underway after an 11-year-old girl was dropped off half a mile away from her bus stop on her first day of school. Abigail Green says she rang the bell twice, but the driver refused to stop near Aylesford Secondary, where she was having a transition day. She was so disorientated it left her in tears before her granddad was able to use Google Maps to get her to the right place. Well, her mum complained on Facebook, and this is what Areva had to say. We apologise for this. However, on occasions our service is operating late, we are required to get the service back to its original timetable as instructed by the Traffic Commissioner. Well, they've also confirmed to Kent Online that they've logged the complaint and will look into it. Abigail has said she'll be cycling to school instead from September. A Sheppard United footballer who suffered homophobic abuse during a match says the player who did it should have been banned from the sport. Ayakunle Odadoyan, who plays for Tower Hamlets, has been fined for making an offensive comment to Jamal Howlett-Mundell, who came out as bisexual last year. 
But Jamal says the sentence sends a message that anyone with a bit of money can just pay off the fines and continue as normal. Now, people in Gillingham are offering graffiti workshops in the hope of stopping play equipment from being vandalised. Hillyfields Park has seen particular problems recently, and some fear it could mean the site loses its green flag status. Medway Labour councillor Pat Cooper says it's becoming a big issue there, but they're determined to do something about it. It's really quite bad. Um, we've had it on all the other signs before, and also now the shelter down on the lower plane is plastered with names. Um, it's very unsightly, it's antisocial behaviour, but as fast as we clean it off through Norse and the graffiti team, it keeps coming back. And what infuriated me, especially today, was when I had photos sent to me, um, particularly of this board here with the caption, this is the best yet. So I thought, I've had enough of this, because I've been posting these photos on our friends of Hellyfields group, Facebook page, you know, and residents have been saying, you know, this is very childish and people need to grow up, but we don't know the age range of the people who are actually doing this. So we can't say that it's, it's actually young people, but um, on the side further up um, the, the high plane here, there's um, a sign that possibly says group. I don't know whether it does, but there are lots of names on these tags, and lots of names on the tags down at the shelter. So, you know, people will know, residents will know who they are. Um, to me, it looks as if there's a group of people, I can't say young people, but there's a group of people who seem to think that they've taken ownership of this park and taken ownership of what's going on up here. And to me that seems rather threatening because if you're up here and you're not part of this group, then are you ostracised, are you not allowed to be up here or what? What's, what's happening? And these balls cost money. You know, we can't keep on replacing these things. So I'm really, really appealing to those who are doing this tagging. Can you please stop doing this? Because it's unsightly, it's antisocial behaviour and it's not doing you or the park any good. Workshops will be taking place between the 25th and 27th of July. Large boards that are decorated could eventually be put on display. Kent Online reports. Ancient gold coins that were found in a field near Tunbridge could be worth more than £10,000. They date back to the 6th and 7th centuries, a period known as the Dark Ages and were discovered by a metal detectorist not far from East Peckham. The coins have been officially declared as treasure by experts at County Hall. A rare Indian rhino has arrived at a Kent animal park. The five-year-old male called Oris is settling into his new home at Port Lim near Hythe. You'll be able to see him as part of the safari route. And finally today, we've got a fascinating interview with a former mafia boss who's going to be in Maidstone this weekend. Michael Francis was once dubbed the Mafia Prince and a key member of one of the five most powerful gangs that ruled New York's underworld. Back in 1986, he was named as one of the 50 most powerful and wealthy mafia bosses and was said to earn up to $8 million a week through a fuel tax fraud. But a spell in prison changed his life. He says he found God and decided to quit the mob. Now he's helping others avoid a life of crime and has been speaking to Chris Britcher. I've been speaking now for about 23, 24 years, and I've spoken to people in prison and people in the uh, boardrooms and everybody in between. So, you know, fortunately for me, there is a uh, an intrigue or a fascination with that whole genre, the mob genre. And I've, uh, you know, sort of made a name in that regard. And, uh, and people just want to hear it. They want to hear the truth about that life. Um, I, they, they associate the real life with movies quite often. So there's an intrigue about it. And I just fill in all the blanks for them. Do you feel comfortable doing that? Because I know in the past, you, I was just watching an interview a little while ago about you saying, you know, it, it's an evil, describing it as an evil life. So do, do you feel comfortable 
so, because there is a there is going to be a certain element of people relishing in the detail and the, the, the grit of it, isn't there? Well, I want to make it clear. I never glorify the life. And the reason I call it evil is because I don't know any family that's been totally devastated, including my own. Now, not my, my wife and children. I've spared them that. But mother, father, brothers and sisters, devastating life. And it's true of every family, of every member of that life that remains in the life. So when any lifestyle does that to a family, you have to call it bad or evil. And I make that very, very clear. However, I'm not saying every guy in that life was bad, every day was bad, and everything we did was bad. We obviously uh, engaged in criminal activity quite a bit, uh, but there was a lot of good sides to the life too. So, you know, people want to hear both. They want to hear both. Going on to the tour, is, is there a danger that you spend every night fielding the same questions, which I'm going to desperately try not to ask you during this interview? But I've just, I saw the bit in the sun the other day, your sort of top three questions, they tend to be, I guess you can predict to a certain extent what they're going to be, can you? Pretty much. I mean, you know, what fascinates me and I think which is pleasing to me is that they ask the mob questions, you know, where's Jimmy Hoffa buried, believe it or not. And every country I've been in, they've asked that question, where all my money is, have I ever killed anybody? You know, those questions always come up. And then they'll ask about John Gotti and, you know, various things within the mob. But Many, many times the focus of the questions is on my personal life, my family, you know, transformation. Michael, how did you get it out of a bad situation and survive the way you are now? How difficult was it for you, you know, mentally, emotionally? I mean, so many questions that pertain to that, which leads me to believe that, you know, in some way we're all the same. We're all struggling in some way. Many of us had to come out of a difficult situation. And in that way, we're all humans. And I think people find it you know, intriguing and encouraging, I should say, that I've been able to, uh, you know, to escape that life and, and live a normal life. I mean, there is that issue. I saw you being interviewed and someone asked, was that, did you have a fear, especially when you, you cut your ties with the mob and tried to sort of break away from it? I mean, and I think you were saying that you, you were cautious, you weren't fearful, but there must, I mean, how do you personally cope with the, the fear emotion? Because you must have it must have been an almost daily occurrence. Well, understand this. You know, I spent 20 years in that life. And during that time, there were times when fearful, um, not, how can I put it, not scared to where I was ready to cut and run, but very cautious, fearfully cautious of things. I mean, look, I saw guys around me that got killed. I was walked into a room one time. One of the dangers or the horrors of that life is you make a mistake. Your best friend walks you into a room. You don't walk out again. And obviously, in my 20 years, I've, I've experienced that with others. Um, and I had that situation myself. So there's a lot of there's a lot of that stuff in that life. So you're always on your toes. You're always kind of cautiously fearful. So when I got out of the life, I said, well, they're not going to do that to me. They're not going to walk me into a room. They're going to have to try and get me. Obviously, you do a lot of good work now where you're talking to people, especially youngsters, trying to steer them away from a life of crime. I mean, again, there's that difficult difficulties isn't there that they're going to be viewing you with a sort of a, a certain respect and awe because of what you've been through how does that because there's a danger isn't there, that they actually want to emulate you how do you balance that juggle that i have a lot of credibility because people look at the mafia as the biggest most organized gang in the world and in many respects we were so the fact that i've lived that life gotten out of it and been able to lead a normal life and go on and have some success uh, means a lot to people. 
but I have to caution these young people because they do say to me, Mike, come on, we saw the movies. You had it all. You had the money, the cars, the women. You had power. You had respect. And I said, yes, but did you not see the end of the movie? Who died? Who went to jail? Who lost everything? That's how it ends all the time. And then I'll go down the list of, you know, the 50 biggest mob bosses that I was named on in 1986 and how 48 of them are dead. Many of them died in prison. Some of them were murdered. There's only one left besides me and he's doing life. I'm the exception. I'm not the rule. And I bring these kids down to earth and I let them understand you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. Get get used to your surroundings because you continue. That's what you got to face, either that or the cemetery. And it really has an impact. And, you know, I believe in my faith, it says to those who have been given much, much is expected in return. And I'm one of the most blessed people, uh, you know, walking the earth, in my opinion. So I try to give back as much as I can. Michael will be in Maidstone, as I said, on Sunday. He's going to be at the Mercure Great Danes Hotel. Kent Online Sports. Football first and Maidstone's Alicia Ruscio will be hoping to bag another goal for England in the women's Euros later. The 23-year-old scored in their 8-0 thrashing of Norway on Monday, a win that sealed their place in the quarterfinals. Tonight, the Lionesses close out their group against Northern Ireland with kickoff in Southampton at 8. Staying with football and Gillingham have signed fullback Che Alexander. The 27-year-old's impressed boss Neil Harris will be on trial at the club after being released by AFC Wimbledon. He'd been there for nearly two years following spells at Barnet and Aldershot. Tomorrow, Gillingham play their first pre-season friendly at Priestfield. They're welcoming lead one side Portsmouth. On to athletics and two Kent sprinters will be competing for Team GB at the World Championships in the US, which get underway today. Orpington's Dina Asher-Smith and Dartford's Adam Jamili will both go for gold in their respective 200-metre events with the heats on Monday. They've both also been picked for the 4 by 100 metre relay squads. And finally in cricket, Kent have signed a new player as they look to turn around their poor form this season. Indian fast bowler Navdeep Sinai will play in three county championship games and five one-day cup matches. Kent have really been struggling to take wickets and have only won four out of 23 games across all competitions so far. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, you can read the latest review from our secret drinker. Hope you have a fantastic weekend in the Sunshine will be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.